Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Here's the great news. Jesus, he's able to save to the uttermost. There's nothing lacking in the salvation that Jesus gives to us. Nothing. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. And this is the beautiful message of the gospel, the New Testament, is that Jesus is enough. Jesus is who we need. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Hebrews chapter 7 in a message titled, Jesus, a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now here's Pastor Brian. So as we come to Hebrews chapter 7, the author has been making his way toward this point that we're coming to today. You remember back in the fifth chapter, he expressed a desire to speak to them and to speak to them specifically about this priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek. But then you remember he said, you know, I want to speak to you about this, but you, you become dull of hearing. And then he went into that rebuke and then into the strong warning, and, and then into the exhortation all the way through the sixth chapter. So here, as we come to chapter seven, he now comes to where he wanted to be able to go the whole time. He comes back around now to addressing the issue of uh, the priesthood of Jesus according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, now remember, Again, the context of this letter. This is a, everything in here is very Jewish, obviously. Uh, so for, for these people, they understood the priesthood. They understood Aaron as the, the original high priest. They understood the, the Levites as being the ones who were involved in the priesthood and all the ministry surrounding the tabernacle and the temple. They, they understood all of that. But what they wouldn't really get is how, well, how could Jesus be a priest, as the author keeps insisting, when he's not uh, connected to the Levitical tribe. And he's not uh, a descendant of Aaron, but yet the author is claiming that Jesus is the high priest. So what he's about to do now is to show that sort of, you know, hidden in the scriptures and, and they're sort of embedded in their history there was a, a promise of another priesthood that would arise. And so that's where we pick up in chapter 7, verse 1, where he jumps right in and he says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, which would be Jerusalem, ancient Jerusalem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. So Melchizedek means king of righteousness. That's the actual meaning of his name. And he is the king of Salem, ancient Jerusalem, or he is the king of peace. And now he says in verse three, 
concerning Melchizedek, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a command to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he, Melchizedek, whose genealogy is not derived from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So he's going back, he's describing the historical account, and he's showing... Now, now remember... One of the author's primary points is to show the superiority of Jesus over everything that preceded him. For these people, the Mosaic system was the ultimate thing. In their minds, you know, Moses was God's man, and the Levitical system was God's system, and there was no changing that. There was no altering that. That was the mentality among the Jews at the time of Jesus. That's the mentality among Orthodox Jews to this very day. So they're, they're deeply entrenched in this commitment to Moses and to the old system. But the author is at pains to show that that system was temporary and that it was to be superseded by something greater and, and there was to be a priesthood that would actually exceed the priesthood of Aaron and it, it's this priesthood now that he's talking about, the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Now, again, the point that the author is wanting to make here in showing the, the supremacy of the priesthood of Christ over the Levitical priesthood, he shows how Melchizedek blesses Abraham. And then he says in verse 7, now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. So this mysterious person, Melchizedek, was superior to Abraham, and it was indicated by the fact that he blessed him. And so, verse 11, he comes to the point that he's wanting to drive home, and this is what it is. And, and this is a, the, the, the bigger point of what he's making in the epistle. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change in the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no man has officiated at the altar, for it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood, and yet it is far more evident if, in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest 
who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And here's the key, verse 18. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. So he's, he's breaking the news to them. The law that you have put so much confidence in, the law that you're actually contemplating going back to is something that God has discontinued. It's annulled. It, it's no longer the means through which men can connect with God. And not only is that come to pass now, but it was predicted centuries earlier that there would come another priest and another priesthood, and therefore there would come another law, and the whole Mosaic system, the whole Levitical system would be at a certain point annulled. It would be replaced. The author is saying to them, that has happened today. That's happened in your generation. That's happened through the coming of Jesus into the world. So their thought, their temptation, you remember, because of the persecution, because of the unfulfilled and unrealized dreams and so forth, because of all of that, they were thinking, well, we'll, we'll just go back to Judaism. We'll just settle back in and everything will be nice and comfortable and we'll just resume temple worship and the sacrifices. The author is saying, there's nothing there. God is, is finished with that system. It, is, it has been annulled. Now, of course, this was the situation for them back then, and their temptation was to go back to the Mosaic system. We're, to a large degree, I think most of us are very far removed from wanting to go back to the Mosaic system today, but sometimes what we do is we drift away from God's grace back under a more of a legal kind of an approach to our relationship with God, thinking that by you know, keeping these certain rules and following these strict guidelines and so forth, that this is going to give us a, a better standing with God. And nothing could be further from the truth. These things are not what commend us to God. What commends us to God is our simple faith in Christ. And of course, as we put our faith in Christ, God places his spirit in us and we live according to God's word because of his power working in us. But whenever we go back in any way to a system that is based upon obtaining God's favor through my good deeds, then I've drifted out of the realm of grace back into legalism and there's, there's no progress. I can't make any forward progress spiritually until... I move back into the realm of grace because whether it's the law of Moses, which was the ultimate law or any other law, it's weak and it's unprofitable. And as he says in verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. The law made nothing perfect. And that was the, the problem. And now the further we go into this letter, the more he's going to delve into these problems with the law, the whole, the whole sacrificial system, the, the blood of bulls and goats, he's going to say at a certain point, could never take away sin. 
They were never intended, actually, to do that. They were always signposts, pointing people ahead to the Messiah who would come and fulfill what these things were talking about. So the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they, the the Levitical priests, they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek by so much more. Listen to that language. By so much more, Jesus has become a guarantee of a better covenant. So this is what he's trying to drive into their heads. Look, Jesus brought in a better covenant. So Jesus has become the surety or the guarantee of a better covenant. And so there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us. Now, remember, he has spoken to us already about the blessings of having a great high priest. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. He was in all points uh, tested as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, remember, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, find grace to help in time of need. So he's been telling us that, but he's just coming back around and reaffirming those same things again and reminding us once again, for we have... A high priest, such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. So here, in a sense, he's contrasting the uh, Jesus as the high priest with the, the earthly high priest. They were not necessarily holy. They were not necessarily harmless in some cases. You remember it was the high priest that passed the death sentence on Jesus himself. They were not necessarily undefiled. Many of those priests in that long history were defiled and they were very much sinners, but Jesus, he's separate from sinners. He's become higher than the heavens. So once again, just the the elevation of Jesus in their minds. There's nothing better. There's no improvement. You've got the ultimate that God has provided in your relationship with Christ. And so... He says, concerning Jesus, who does not need to daily as those high priests offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath, and the word of the oath is the the passage that's quoted here from Psalm 110. The Lord has sworn, will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So the word of the oath, which came after the law, of course, this was a psalm many centuries after the law, has appointed the son who has been perfected forever. 
So a few things just to look at here for a minute in the final verses of the chapter here. And as you notice, those of you, as we've been studying together, you notice that I've picked up the pace quite a bit as we're going through. We were going at a much slower pace uh, before we hit the fifth chapter. But the argument, the logic, it flows. And if we break it down too much, we'll miss the, the main message of what he's saying. So I, I, wanna, I want us to be able to you know, keep in step with what the author is saying. And finally, the thing that we want to just touch on here as we close is verse 25. Therefore, because his priesthood is unchangeable, because it can't pass to a successor, because it doesn't need to pass to a successor, because he's a priest forever, Therefore, he also is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Here's the great news. Jesus, he's able to save to the uttermost. There's nothing lacking in the salvation that Jesus gives to us. Nothing. There's nothing that needs to be added to it. There's no enhancement necessary. There's, there's no missing component whatsoever. His salvation is absolutely thorough. It's totally complete. There, there's nothing that can be added to it. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. And this is the beautiful message of the gospel. The New Testament is that Jesus is enough. Jesus is who we need. Jesus is all we need, really. And of course, Jesus has established his church and he's given us his word and all of those things are you know, part of this. But let's never lose sight of the fact that Jesus is our great high priest. We don't need to seek out assistance and salvation from, from any other source. He's able to save completely, thoroughly, to the uttermost, those who come to God through him because or since he always lives to make intercession. I was thinking about two things. I'll close with these two things. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. All throughout the Old Testament, you have a separation between the priesthood and the monarchy. And God was very specific that these two positions were not to overlap. In other words, you were either a king or you were a priest, but you were not both. But again, through the Old Testament, there were always hints given that that position of the combining of those two offices would be reserved for one person. And that, of course, would be Jesus. Jesus is a priest who sits upon the throne, like Melchizedek was. He was the priest of God Most High. He was the king of Salem. And so Jesus is our king, but he's also a priest, and he's a priest forever. And I was thinking about that. What, what is, what's the significance of that? He's a priest forever. It means that his priestly activity, not that his priestly activity necessarily 
he's not functioning in that sense. His sacrifice, which was a once forever sacrifice, endures forever. He will always be recognized and known as a priest upon his throne. And the primary role of the priest is to offer sacrifice. What is the sacrifice that Jesus offered? It was the sacrifice of his own life. And so when it says here that he ever lives or he lives always to make intercession for us, the intercession that he's making is the intercession that has come through his blood. His blood has interceded on our behalf. His blood has washed away our sins. His blood continues to wash away our sins and continues to give us that place of favor before God and access to God. But don't forget this. He always lives to make intercession for us. The chief occupation of Jesus is to take care of you and me and his people. That's his chief occupation. He, he doesn't have another job, so to speak. He's not busy doing a, a million other things. So there might be times when he's not able to get to us or to assist us or, you know, unintentionally might be negligent of us because, you know, after all, it's a big universe out there. He's got a lot of things going. He's got a lot to do. There's one primary thing that Jesus is all about, and that's making intercession for us. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I, I don't want to burden the Lord with my problems. You know, that's an impossibility. You, it's not, you can't burden the Lord with your problems. God can't be burdened. He ever lives to make intercession. He, that, that's what he does. That's what he desires to do. That's what he longs to do. And that's why we're invited, once again, as we've already read earlier, we're invited to come to the throne of grace. The invitation is there, come. And when we come, we don't find a throne that's vacant. We don't find a, a sign on the door that says, you know, back in 15 minutes, we come and, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's there for us. And he wants us to come to him. This is his whole, his whole life as our high priest. And as we're going to see later, as our, the great shepherd of the sheep, all of these images are, are there to just remind us of God's great love and care for us and to bid us to come and cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. And so let's do that. And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. There are certain Christian books that we would refer to today as classics, books that have just stood the test of time, and generation after generation of Christians have benefited from them. There is a book that is recently published called Gentle and Lowly, written by Dane Ortland. And, you know, many people are already saying that this is a Christian classic. Now, Gentle and Lowly is taken from the passage in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says of himself 
that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so this book is looking at Jesus through that lens, and we're going to find out that Jesus is much more gracious, much more patient, much more loving than we ever imagined him to be. So this is a fantastic book, and I highly recommend it, especially for anyone who has a tendency to feel like they failed God, they've let him down, or you're not sure about God's love for you. This book is going to, I think, forever give you the right perspective on the heart of Jesus for his children. So check it out, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. You can order the book Gentle and Lowly by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Hebrews. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.